All right. Good morning and welcome to worship this morning um, on the first day in which we have expanded worship. So it's good to see a few more folks that are here um, joining us for worship. And so um, can you all wave at me? Oh, that's good. Yay, hey, that's people. cool, isn't it? Um, well, well, if we could, we'd turn the camera around so the rest of you um, could see them waving. But um, we welcome you to worship this morning. And I just remind us, uh, as we gather together, whether it's in this space or whether we're gathering in our living rooms, around our kitchen tables, um, with family or with friends, uh, that we gather together in anticipation and expectation of encountering the presence of Christ in the midst of our worship. We gather in expectation of hearing the word of God spoken to us and expectation of the Spirit speaking to the depths of our being as the Spirit continues to shape us and to form us so that we might be the people of God, not just on this day, in this hour, but every day and every moment. And so let us join ourselves in worship as we sing, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Um, and if you're going to sing and you're here, we invite you to keep your mask on while you sing. Uh, but let us join our voices and hearts together as we sing, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee.
Amen. This morning, um, as you came in here, uh, you saw different colored wristbands, right? Um, all right. Everybody got wristbands? Let's see. Okay. All right. I'm just curious to see what colors we have. Um, I'm guessing a lot of folks who would wear the red probably stayed at home, and that's quite all right. Uh, the red just really signifies um, you're being really cautious, uh, you're in high risk, or you work in the healthcare and you're worried you might, be, you, you might uh, give the virus to somebody. And so that's what the red signifies. And, um, and then the yellow um, signifies that um, you're being cautious, but you're okay about being around people. And then the green, which is the one I had to choose between yellow and green, but the reality is I'm around a lot more folks than most folks. And, and really it's just a way of letting folks know what kind of exposure we've had, what our comfort level is, so that um, we don't have to worry um, about asking folks. And so um, most likely if you've got a green and somebody's got a red, then uh, the, the person with the green one shouldn't sit next to the person with red unless they're in your family or they invite you to. Does that make sense? Um, and, um, and then the other thing I just want to encourage us to do um, is I, I know if you're like me, um, I'm about, I get wearing a mask about 50% of the time when I'm out in public. Um, I try to get better at it. Um, but the wearing of the mask is not about our comfort level, but it's about the comfort level of other folks. If we want folks who are um, more cautious to be able to come to worship rather than being told just stay at home if you're worried about your safety, um, then it would be kind of us to wear our mask as we come and go from worship. Uh, again, when you're seated with your family, there's no need to worry about wearing your mask. It really has to do when you're mingling, when you're up and about. Uh, and so uh, that's what we are encouraging folks because we want everyone to feel welcome in worship. Um, for some folks, um, it's been a long time since they've been able to gather. Some folks are battling the struggle between they're worried about their risk um, and yet, they also know that not being able to participate in corporate worship leaves a void and a hole. And um, so the more we do to make everybody feel comfortable, uh, the quicker it is that we have a space where all folks who want to come can come without worrying. And so I just encourage you that as we go forward, keep that in mind as you are interacting here at the church. Um, we, as always, uh, as, as Jesus in the scripture we act by thinking about others, by thinking uh, about the least first. And so let that be the way that um, we interact with each other and how we choose to be cautious as we gather in worship. And now I invite you at this time um, to, uh, if you're at home, um, I encourage you to make sure you have some bread or juice um, a, a cup. I forgot to send that out on the email, so I want to let you all know that now um, to be prepared because we will celebrate communion on this day. If you came in, um, hopefully you got some um, bread and cup. If not, uh, raise your hand and one of the um, ushers will make sure that you get that. Um, for now, let us, um, let us settle ourselves. Let us bow our heads and be in an attitude of prayer. Let us um, seek to experience and become ever aware 
of the presence of God that surrounds us. Let us be reminded that Jesus welcomes everyone who is tired and heavy laden to come to him to lay down their burdens and to take up the yoke which he has created for us so that we might live life to the fullest. And so one of the things we do as we, as we gather in worship is we take time to offer up our prayers of confession, not to beat ourselves up, but simply to acknowledge those places where we have failed to be the people God intends us to be, either by the actions we have taken or the actions we have failed to take. And so as I offer up this corporate prayer of confession, I invite you to hear these words and I invite you to make these the words of your own hearts. God of compassion and understanding, our lives have certainly been slowed down by this pandemic. And yet, we still struggle to hear your voice more clearly. We get so caught up in our own situations that we fail to acknowledge and even and enter into struggles with other people. We get focused on what is right for us and our family uh, that we seldom think about what might be best for others. Distracted by the daily news and the uncertainty around us and, and the questions that are swirling about what to believe, uh, we forget to come to you in prayer. We forget to take time to spend in your presence and to offer our concerns and our uncertainty to you. We love to read and to pass on gossip and conspiracy theories and the thoughts and wisdom of our favorite authors and politicians or pundits, but we fail to crack open our Bibles and spend any significant time listening to your words, learning about your teachings, and sharing your love and your grace with others. Too often, we find ourselves possessed by hate or by fear or by despair or by our self-righteousness or our self-centeredness rather than possessed by your Holy Spirit. In these days, teach us how to savor your presence each and every moment. And help us to enter into those rhythms of spiritual life which enable us to live all of life in connection with you. That enable us to live life as you intended it. By being people who make a difference as we live and love like Jesus. Now I invite you, wherever you are, to offer up your own words of confession to God, the places where you have failed to be the people God has called you to be this week.
give these words of assurance. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God's compassion reaches out to all of creation. Know that you are forgiven. Know that the Spirit surrounds you and awaits the invitation to guide you in the coming week as you seek to be the hands and the feet of Christ. Amen. Let us join our voices together um, as we uh, continue to lift up praise to God for his wonderful thanksgiving.
What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, what a beautiful, wonderful, powerful name. You are with us always. You call us into relationship with God. You call us into love and grace and peace and joy. You call us into communion with you and with other believers that we are never alone no matter what we face, no matter what we are up against in life, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the difficulty is, no matter what it is that's that's wearing us down, that's bringing us down, you are with us always. And with us always is this body of other believers, all brought together by your beautiful, wonderful, powerful name. We praise you. We worship you this morning. Amen. on him. 
righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Lord God, we thank you. We welcome your presence here among us, guiding us ever closer to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, I know that we're having um, a little technical difficulty on um, the Facebook end of things, and um, I just remind folks, I feel like, uh, I feel like we're, uh, I'm back doing the first service ever in the church, um, wondering, uh, trying to juggle uh, between um, optimizing for both online and for in person, and so uh, we've got some new equipment that we're working on, so I just want to let you know that. For those online, if you, if you have problems with the sound, I will remind you that at 11.15, the service will be broadcast on KMRN Radio, if you want to try to pick it up there. And then uh, the audio also gets posted on the website. And so if you have issues, um, I just want you to know that you can uh, pick that up later. Uh, for those of you who are here, um, it may be a little bit louder than what you're used to, uh, but again, um, we are doing the best that we can. Uh, appreciation for Matt and Dustin and all that they do behind the scenes to make all of this possible. Um, as we, um, um, I, I understand that uh, um, Kobe picked on me a little bit last week. Um, I, I understand he accused me of starting sermon series and then uh, running off to let him finish them. And so this week, I'm going to start a sermon series on the book of Acts. Um, and then Kobe's going to finish it the next 25 weeks. Is that okay? Yeah, I forgot to tell you that. Um, we, we are going to begin to take a look at the book of Acts. I thought that um, this would be a great time for us to uh, take a closer look at uh, this often neglected uh, book. Um, usually we just uh, read this occasionally during Easter, um, and often we read the book of Acts as some kind of like a, um, some kind of historical context for Paul's letters, when in reality the book of Acts is a very important book that reminds us and shows us how the early church began uh, to understand the church's mission, how they sought to live out the mission that Christ gave them and us. And so we are going to take a few weeks to explore this, um, this book, which is actually the uh, second volume of, um, of Luke's writing. You know, Luke wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke, and then uh, he continued and he wrote what we call the Acts of the Apostles, um, and actually, I would argue it should be, um, at the very least, the Acts of the Apostles as empowered by the Spirit, or maybe it should simply be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to, um, we're going to take a look at the first um, 14 verses of um, Acts chapter 1. And so um, I invite you to... Um, Hear these words afresh and anew. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote 
concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together one day, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you've heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away, and as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward the heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, in fact, about a Sabbath day's journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they had been staying. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, James' son, all were united in their devotion to prayer, along with some of the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Everyone with their ears to hear, hear the word of God and respond with faith. Now, you know, this first 11 verses, I think, are really important in the, in the book of Acts. And I think it's helpful if we are reminded of the context. You know, I think oftentimes uh, we think that the disciples uh, just journeyed along with Jesus and then Jesus was crucified and he arose and a light bulb went off in their heads and they were like, oh, now we get it. When in fact, if we pay attention to the story, we know that's not how it worked. We know that the disciples were continually struggling, struggling with this idea uh, that the kingdom of God was coming. I mean, Jesus whole message was about the kingdom of God had arrived, and we know uh, that they struggled with that. In fact, up until the time of Jesus' crucifixion, we are pretty certain that most of the disciples thought that when Jesus said the kingdom was coming, he was intending to overthrow the Roman government and the, and the corrupt temple uh, politics, and he was going to establish God's rule in Jerusalem on earth. And it's helpful if we hear this in this context. They, they were anticipating this earthly kingdom would be set up. 
And so after his death and after his resurrection, uh, they had to get their brains around this. And so for 40 days after his death and resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples, continuing to teach them about the kingdom of God. Now, Acts, uh, the, uh, in, in Acts, Luke doesn't tell us what it was that Jesus taught them in those 40 days, but we can be pretty sure that if we read the gospel of Luke, we will know what Jesus continued to teach them about the kingdom of God, about the fact that God had come in flesh to restore and to heal, to redeem and to make whole. And that God had come in a way that they had not expected, not one that not one by coming in power to set up a kingdom on earth, but one that had come to suffer and to die and to set up his kingdom in a different way and in fact if we're listening to this story we realize that at the very first 11 verses of acts uh, that that luke is in essence telling us uh, that the the new age has arrived the kingdom of god is coming in fact we are in the end times I want you to think about that because oftentimes in our world today, we think about the end times as being something that happens well in the future. But we get in this passage, this image of Christ ascending and being exalted at the right hand of God the Father. In other words, Jesus does reign now. We don't have to wait until Jesus comes back. Jesus reigns now. He just reigns in a way that the early disciples didn't expect. And he reigns in a way that if we're honest with ourselves, we don't expect either. You see, Jesus taught in the Gospels and, and he taught that God's kingdom will be restored to God's people. It just isn't going to begin with some apocalyptic coming from heaven and, and all of these wars. It's not going to happen by waiting for some uh, glory of God to come and to do all the work while we just watch and wait. It's not going to be waiting for God to come to the temple or to come to the throne in Jerusalem. It's not going to happen by it's not going to happen when Jesus comes again. It is already underway. In fact, I would argue that these first uh, 14 verses of Acts are telling us we've already been left behind. The first apostles were left behind to continue the work of Jesus. We don't have to wait to some Armageddon to worry about who's the left behind. Uh, we, the people of God and the followers of Jesus, have been left behind to continue the ongoing mission of Jesus Christ in the world. Do you hear that in these first 14 verses of Acts? Jesus is reigning from heaven and he has empowered his followers. To carry on that mission. And how will the followers 
of Jesus be empowered. They will be empowered by receiving the Holy Spirit. We'll read more about that next week as we read about the, the, the day of Pentecost. But Jesus is telling his followers that you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus left his apostles behind and sent them forth to go into the world to give witness to what he had taught, to give witness to the fact that Jesus was alive, to give witness to the fact that God was already doing something in this world to restore his people, to bring about healing, to bring about wholeness. To uncover the image of God that rests in each individual person. The kingdom of God is already breaking into the world in this first chapter of Acts. And when the disciples asked Jesus, well, well now, um, are you gonna, when, when is this time of your kingdom going to come? Uh, Jesus says, when you receive the Spirit. Jesus is telling his first followers that it is your turn to go forth and to share the good news. God has renewed his covenant through Jesus Christ and he has called his followers to be the light that he had intended Israel to be. He has called his followers to walk the talk. In essence, he's telling the apostles, roll up your sleeves and get in the game. Stop sitting on the sidelines and waiting for someone else to do it. Stop sitting and waiting for Jesus to come back and to the, do the work that he has empowered us to do through the Holy Spirit. God has enabled Jesus' followers to be witnesses. And to be witnesses, that means that we have been called to reflect the love and the grace of Jesus in all that we do. And each successive generation has been called to receive the Spirit, to bury ourselves in the Word so that we understand uh, Jesus' teaching and who Jesus is, to bury ourselves in the presence of God so that we not only know in our heads, but we experience in our heart the presence of God like the early followers did. And he calls us to bear witness to this new creation that God has already begun in us. And the church, the church is called to be this community that gathers together in unity, in seeking to follow Jesus, this community that gathers together to be, to be the example of Christ in the world. Not just when we gather on Sunday morning, but each and every moment as we go into the world. 
We have been given the Holy Spirit so that we might be Christ's witnesses, so that we might be people who live and love like Jesus in every moment of our lives. Oh, oh, if that only described every church that existed in the world today, I venture to say the world would look a lot different. You see, Jesus came to those first apostles, and in essence, he said, it's time to put up or shut up. It's time to get in the game and to do the things that Jesus called his people to do when he left them behind but gave them the spirit to be with them. And so, I invite you to pick up your Bibles to read the book of Acts. It's a dangerous book but it's a book that we need to read. I invite you to come back. This is only the beginning of what the Spirit had to say to Jesus' followers. I invite us to get in the game, to allow the Spirit to work within us, for us to reflect on our lives each and every day and ask ourselves, have I been a witness of Jesus Christ in this day and through this week? Have I been a witness of Jesus Christ this day and this week? And if not, I invite us to pray and to ask God to pour the Spirit out upon us so that we might be like those original apostles so filled with the Holy Spirit that God's love and grace overflows from us and other people wonder what in the world it is that we have. Maybe it wouldn't hurt if they thought we were drunk with the Spirit every now and then. Gracious God, as we hear your words this day, may your Spirit come upon us. May your Spirit fill us. May we realize we have been left behind for your purposes. May we realize that your spirit will enable us to be the witnesses that you call us to be in this moment and in every moment. In Christ's name, amen. All right, if you're at home, you're invited to get your bread and your cup. If you're here, um, I invite you to have your bread and your cup handy. And we're going to join in the great Thanksgiving. I think it's going to be up on the screen. Um, 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Indeed, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You have given us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that with the eye of our hearts may be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which you have called us. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Indeed, holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. You put your power to work in him. You raised him from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he reigns at your right hand today through the Holy Spirit that works in us. By the baptism of his suffering and death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You breathed the life of the Spirit into it. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death and you made a new covenant with us by water and by the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. After the supper, he took the cup again. He gave thanks. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, and so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the great mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And now I invite you, if you're at home or if you're here, the bread and the cup, if you will just raise them up, if you will just lift them up, and now let me offer this prayer. Um, as we gather together at this time, may the Holy Spirit be poured out upon those gathered here, upon those in their homes. May the Holy Spirit be poured out upon the gifts of the bread and the cup wherever they might be. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world. The body of Christ redeemed by his blood, filled with his spirit, sent forth to be his witnesses in our neighborhoods and to the ends of the earth. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at that heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit in your Holy Church, all honor and glory be yours, Almighty God, now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. And so I invite you, wherever you might be, break off the bread and share, dip it in the cup, and let us together receive and know Christ's presence this day.
gracious God, indeed we give thanksgiving for this mystery in which you have shared yourself with us. We pray, Lord, that having received of the cup and the bread, having received of this mystery in which you share your divine presence with us, may we go forth from here filled with your spirit, enabled to be the people you call us to be for the sake of the world. In Christ's name, amen. And I'm going to invite you all to stand. And we're going to sing, um, pass, it on. pass it on. For indeed, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And when we've received that spark of God, how can we help but pass it on? Indeed, on this day, I hope that you have experienced the presence of the Spirit afresh and anew. I invite you to go forth to pass on the love of God that you have experienced to all with whom you come into contact. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to pass on the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah.